Hey, welcome to Swedenborg and Life Live. Today we're going to be looking at why is God so angry in the Bible? Mm. I mean, we go on and on in this show, but God loves everybody. God is so Can't great. Can't even frown. How can you get around? There seems to be a lot of stuff in these testaments about uh, God being angry. So to, to untangle that, my name is Curtis Childs. I'll be your host. With me as always, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey, Curtis. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks to all of you for hanging out. But could you do one more thing for us? Please like and subscribe. That really is useful to us. And mm. click the bell if you do subscribe, or else YouTube's not going to tell you about us. We're, we're going to be its best kept secret. So this, the genesis for this show was that we did an episode, innocently enough, of a show called News from Heaven. And it was called, Does God Ever Get Angry? Mm. Uh, and after this News From Heaven show, several people asked, oh, this, uh, that's cool, that's cool, but why then is God so angry semen in the Bible? Yes. How do you What do would explain that? Why? Yeah. And you might think... Seems like a discrepancy or something. That we would just be embarrassed about this discrepancy or, or see it as a giant gaping hole in Swedenborg's worldview or just dodge the question. But actually, this is like downtown Swedenborg sorting this stuff out, and we want to do that with y'all right now. He talks about it quite a lot. Oh, man. So what we're going to do is get into that, but we're not quite ready for that. So there's two things mm. we want to do before that. First of all, get your elevator pitch content ideas in there. Because now, what's that elevator pitch? So thing? we're going to each have a minute in a state of panic on the air to try okay. to fully explain Good. a Swedenborg topic that we haven't seen before that you bring up. So think about something in Swedenborg, uh, a segment of his worldview or something that's confusing you that you want to hear explained vigorously with only a minute uh, in a way that tries to impress the other person who's playing the role of a stranger on the elevator. And then also to get started, we're going to do our icebreaker. So get ready to answer a question with us right now. And we're not just doing the icebreaker to warm up the vocal cords, because as always, this is starting to open up our mind in the direction of the topic. Ah. So you can divine from there's these... There's a method. These, yes, there's a method in this unmadness. And here is how we're going to start approaching this topic of why is God so angry in the first place in the Bible. So it says, have you ever felt differently about God at different points in your life? Mm. And I want to know, what do you all think? Answer in the chat right now. We'll be grabbing them and putting them together for the end of the show. Or if you're watching afterwards, just write it down in the comments. We'd love to know. But I want to know from you. Uh, have you ever felt differently about God? Yeah, very differently. And there's been sort of in different moods, I'll have a different relationship. And then there's been sort of a gradual arc over time. And uh, so there's been times in really bad moods where I just thought, you know, if God was absent or didn't care or something like that, just wondering, you know, what is going on? Yeah. Uh, sometimes in physical pain or in psychological pain or whatever. And in that long arc, it's been more like, and then there's other times of feeling close or something. And, and over the long arc was like when I was younger, I felt more like um, there was sort of a, God was hard to please. Mm. The bar was set really high and I couldn't, do it and you know it was kind of impossible and yeah. so it was kind of a frustrating relationship. I love something a friend said to me once. He said uh, just because you have a relationship with God doesn't mean it's a good relationship <laughs> and I like that oh, statement good. because you know sometimes it was sort of testy or we didn't really uh, looking back it honestly was like a teenager and their parent or something like that you know a little different and then over time I've been blessed to just feel more of the the mercy and the compassion and understanding in there and more of a peaceful thing. How about you? Yeah. You're, I, you're so young. I know, yeah. Well, I was just born like two weeks ago. So <laughs> I have certainly seen a change. I would say teenage, uh, very young adulthood. It was like the concept was out there, but it hadn't really been tested. I didn't, there was times when I, I didn't, certainly didn't operate moment to moment like God was a major factor mm. in life. Right. So it was just kind of like an out there in my intellectual orbit. Okay, maybe there's God. Um, God, then I've had a lot of times of just feeling like, yeah, God is is this um, absent presence. Like I, I'm looking for support from God. It's especially frustrating to have all these, like even when I was like needing uh, help and had Swedenborg stuff around. So I was like, okay, I feel like I know so much stuff about right. God, but where's where's the help? I need the help. So going from that, but like even just recently, I, I relate. Yeah, just recently having this sense of like, okay, you know, God is not necessarily everywhere. Like God is everywhere, but really God is in the life you get when you 
I uh, live by certain ideas and cling to them. And the feeling you get in that, recognizing that, and, and the relief I get from my own mind when I'm in there and seeing, oh, that's God. Uh, and mm, this other stuff is right. not when God is sustaining it, but it's not the same. That to me is like, oh, uh, there, I can see where God sort of is and isn't. <clears throat> and that God, like the God of when, when I'm riding high on the, the teachings, um, that's great. I don't have any problem with that God. So a yeah. lot of different things there. That, yeah, That freedom thing can kind of feel cold sometimes. Like what I used to think was abandonment or, or judgment from God or something like that. Yeah. I really, oh, there's a tremendous love of... The, our, our freedom, you know, yeah. like I understand the love behind that a little more now. Yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, that's that's our thoughts. We'd love to hear what all of you think and how has it changed. And we're about to see how that's relevant because we're going to go into now we've got our main task, which is explaining why God's so angry. Let's get now into the setup. Mm. I want to begin this by asking a question that mm, sounds irrelevant, but is not at all irrelevant, and you'll see through it pretty quickly. But how do you feel about the sun? Well, it sort of depends, right? <laughs> okay, let's say we had three right. scenarios. In our first scenario, we're here. How do you feel about the sun mm. uh, when we're here in the what, Atacama Desert? Yeah, it feels like a threat. Like you'd really want to manage your exposure you'd want to, you know, like move behind a dune or try to move at night and yeah. sleep during the day or something. But if, it, if it wasn't ever around, we'd be in better shape than we are with it. It's the, it's the main source of all kind our Kind of problems. relentless. Oh, and, uh, man. Yeah. Burning too Baking, hot. Baking, burning. How about if we're in this situation, out in the frozen, middle of a frozen river? Yeah, and that's probably the high point of noon or something, yeah. you know. And it's just too, co- even if the, clouds part it's not going to really melt the ice yeah. or do anything and there's not it's, enough of it's, it it's not, not not enough and and uh some places it's cloudy you know they get like yeah. 15 minutes of sun a day in yeah. february or something and so it's like not enough of it just yeah not powerful enough to, to help us out but then what about here oh man that's nice isn't it Springtime, thriving, yeah. verdancy that's the the joy is in the sun you think about actually being on that hill where they are and feeling that sun on you and knowing the sun's what's powering everything. That Loving the sun, wanting to good. be out in it and everything. Yeah, so, that's right. the sun is very different in those three scenarios, but is the sun actually different? It's not different in those scenarios. Yeah. It goes through its own sort of changes with, you know, sunspot cycles or something like that. But you don't but feel that. We, I, I seldom really know where we are in the sunspot <laughs> cycle. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't affect us much. Yeah. And the sun is basically, for all intents and purposes, exactly the same Yeah, all but, the time. But yet, the con- we, we have very different experiences of it, and the assertion is that that's because of those conditions are because of changes in stuff that's much down closer to us, the atmosphere, the tilt of the earth, the cloud cover. Yeah, so spinning on our axis and all that. These conditions lower down affect our perception. Uh, and perception can drastically alter how you experience not just the sun, but anything. You think about a speech or let's say a YouTube video. There can be two people watching this at home. One of them is like, this is great, this is great. Another one is like, what is happening? How do I skip this? (laughs) It's the same thing, but the state of mind, right? It's really true. And you compare notes, someone says, wasn't that great? And the other one's, do you like that? No, or you recommend a show to me. And I say, why did you recommend that show to me? Yeah, right, that was so bizarre. Not that that would ever happen. So Swedenborg's thesis and the backbone of this show is that literal descriptions of God in the Bible, just like we have changing views of things like the sun and people and things, reflect our changing view of God in different states of mind. Mm. So it's not really talking about God as he is in himself, or whatever pronoun you want to use. Sure. It's talking about our perception of the cold day or the hot day. Our experience of God. And you may be saying, well, you know, you're just introducing that to make Swedenborg's stuff float. The Bible is pretty clearly describing a person who gets angry. And, uh, but there's a problem yeah. with the Bible, which is that you've got some major contradictions in the character of God. And we're going to show you how that, we've got a mess to get our way out of either way. And we'll illustrate that for you here. Just okay. First, we start. Hey, and might, might I just throw in sure. there that uh, uh, I think a lot of people think 
Well, sure, God is angry in the Old Testament, but he got happier in the New Testament. Yeah. So he's, he's more peaceful and loving in the New Testament, but there's a lot of yelling in the Old Testament, and, and there is. Well, and let's, let's, okay, let's first establish that, yeah, God can be quite angry. Let's take a look at a couple of classics on that. Gather yourselves together. This is from the book of Zephaniah. Gather yourselves together, you shameful nation, before the decree takes effect and that day passes like wind-blown chaff before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's (laughs) wrath comes upon you. Mm. So there's an Old Testament classic statement of like, hey, this day of wrath is going to come and it's going to be awful. But... Let's, uh, let's so move into the New now Testament. There's the, here's the happy New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew. All right. And uh, so, and when John the Baptist saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you nice people, no, yeah. wait, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Now, if you know the Bible, John the Baptist was like the forerunner of Jesus. So he's talking about the one who's going to come. And he was a prophet. And yeah. he's saying... Who warned you to flee from the... So he really describes Jesus' whole life as the coming wrath. Yep. You know, yep. who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, talking about Jesus, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, okay. that fire is an interesting word in connection with anger, isn't it? Sure, sure. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, wait, that's the New Testament. Yeah, and I don't really want to be an unquenchable fire, right? That sounds like something somebody who's angry would do. However, in the very it's same... a little bit split personality, isn't yeah. it? Where, like, okay, if you happen to be wheat... Good for you, but if right. you're chaff, oh man, yeah, there's okay. a lot of rage coming your way. Not, not a good situation for chaff, but let's take a look now at a couple more passages from the Bible. This is in okay. Psalms. Psalms 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. Wait, I thought he was so mad. Yeah, and it wasn't his main business, his main day job. Punishment. Is punishment. Vengeance. Anger. But what's he doing here what's with all he his doing energy? What's he doing Not just sort of some or yeah. under certain circumstances or if you apply yeah. within the 30-day period or something. Right. No, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. This is the Old Testament. Yeah. Right. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then, so there you have God who's very much focused on something that's the opposite. And here's one more from uh, the book of Isaiah. Okay, this is also Old Testament. But now, this is what the Lord says Do not fear. Wait, I was terrified about that a, vengeance. I don't want to be in that unquenchable yeah, fire. I mean, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Wait, I thought he was the... Yeah, we went right from putting you into the fire to protecting you from the fire. You are the wrath, you know, to now saying, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. Old Testament. So you might be saying at this point, well, you guys are just taking things way out of context, and there's reasons why he's speaking sure. to one group in a friendly way right. and another group in an angry way. You're just cherry-picking stuff. So let's see if we can find both of them back-to-back multiple times in the same chapter. Oh, I don't think that would happen. Here comes some Nahum. Nahum, chapter 1. Okay. So, okay, God is jealous, and the Lord avenges. Yeah, angry. The Lord avenges and is furious. <laughs> he doesn't just do it as an unpleasant duty. No. He's really, he's really, he's beyond mad. angry. He's, he's at, furious. Oh. He's level 10. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger. Wait Whip, a minute. Whiplash. <laughs> That's a, the only thing. Look at the semicolon. verses here. This is verses two to three. Yeah, yeah it's a semicolon that separates this. Yeah, it's two. a semicolon. And not even a the period. The Lord is slow to anger. Okay, then let's go. Okay, let's go wait forward. a minute. Okay, okay. 
And so verses six to seven, who can stand before his indignation mm. and who can endure the fierceness of his anger? Oh, his man. anger is going to be so fierce. You don't want to mess with that. His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. Oh, man. Next sentence. We, we didn't excerpt this or no. edit this at all. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust so, in him. I'm sorry. So right there, you, we, we just had fury pouring down like yeah. fire again. So you're a stronghold against your own rocks and fire that you're pouring on? It's I like, don't get it. Like, does yeah. he hold you with one hand and punch you with the other? Or so, you know, what's going so on? So this is not, this is, so there's something that's got to be done to address this. And the main assertion is that this is not contradictory description of God if this is seen as our changing point of view. Mm. Swedenborg asserts in the first volume of Secrets of Heaven, right off the bat, the word speaks according to human appearances. What an interesting thing to say. So I guess what he's talking about there is that if people feel like God is angry sometimes, then the Bible will portray God as angry sometimes because it's really a human-centric, not a God-centric text or well, in the yeah. point of view or something that let's, describes. Let's unpack that a bit in our next section because uh, what we're going to do is give you three points Swedenborg makes about the nature of these human appearances and how they make their way into the text and why things, why the same sun, the same God why can see so Bible different. Do, if God is yeah. love, yeah. why all those, because there are lots of them about the fury and the rage oh, and man. all that stuff. They're all over the place. All right, so let's take a look now. We're going to just give you three concepts that you can plant in your own mind, see how they grow in our next section, Three Seeds. So what we want to look at is a couple of the um, mechanisms that underlie this the, the system that leads to the appearance of these appearances in the text of the Bible. Okay. And we can begin uh, by looking at this, the, our longest quote, but well worth it, is looking at the, the cosmological uh, requirement that God's truth or God's message can only come to people through their current state of mind. There's, a, there's intellectual freedom. You can't force somebody to think a certain way. So God can only reach us through what we do understand. And belief. Mm. This is from Secrets of Heaven, mm. 6996. All right. Divine, and this is a little technical, but, but well worth it. Divine truth issuing directly from the Lord's divine humanity cannot be heard or understood by any human, not even an angel. So wow. The, the truth, like what, what the truth is, what God is, we, don't, we can't get it. We can't speak that language. We can't handle that software. It's like radio waves going through the room here, and we, we, yeah. don't, e we don't even hear it. It's them. too much. And that if we did, it would blow all our circuits. It's too right. much. In order for divine truth to be heard and understood, then, it has to pass through some kind of medium. And w so what is it? What's the transistor? Like, what's the, what's the antenna? The medium it passes through is heaven. Heaven. That's one of the things heaven is doing, is it's this first, it's a big radar dish, pointed at God, made up of all these people who have been most ah. spiritually developed as you possibly can be, and then... Sort of convert the signal into something you can understand, just like a radio will yeah. convert this undetectable... You can't detect it, yeah. but the radio picks it up, and right. they can say, well, here, I'll translate that from yes. inaudible right. nothingness to here's a sound. I'll move the speaker, and you can understand this. So then, afterwards, it passes through the angels and spirits present with us. So there's sort of heaven as a whole, yeah. and then there's those particular ones. We've done shows about those of course. ones that are right with us. This mm. fact is plainly visible from the consideration that we cannot even hear the spirits who are with us talking to each <laughs> other. If we did hear them, and if we did hear them, we would not understand them <laughs> because the language of spirits lacks the kind of words we use and is common to all tongues. So even spiritual... So even if you could hear them, you wouldn't understand them. Yeah. yeah, which again, at other times he talks about how when ha spirits address you, they can come through your languages. They use stuff out of your memory yes. and use you because they're, again, you've got to kind of accommodate right. it to the state. That but if you could just tap into the raw signal, 
um, you, you can't understand, not just that you don't know the words, but the concepts are beyond you. Swedenborg has this cool anecdote about hearing a conversation among spirits and that made total sense to him when he was in his spirit, but then when he came back into his body, he couldn't he write any of it. to repeat it or say it to somebody. Yeah, Which sometimes in dreams you can have a similar thing. Furthermore, right. spirits cannot hear angels. Whoa. And if they could, they would not understand them because angelic language is still more universal. So in Swedenborg's system, am I right, you've got spirits who are the recently deceased, like in their first while, yeah. and then angels are like they graduated from that. That's right. So even even they, even spirits can't hear angels. Angels. Because they're good. at a higher yeah. level. How'd you know oh. that? In fact, angels of the deepest heaven are even harder to hear and understand because their language is a language not of ideas, but of feelings that embody heavenly love. Mm. So someone's talking in feelings it's and you just can't get it. It's not even idea. I don't get it. I don't hear a single idea. Yeah. They say, yeah, right. We don't deal in ideas. Or they'd say, it's not the same thing. They'd say, yeah. <laughs> no offense. Uh, it's not a very good angel impression. If these <laughs> languages lie so far beyond our reach that we cannot possibly hear or understand them, what about divine language, which infinitely transcends the languages in the heavens? I'm calling it divine language, but I mean divine truth emanating from the Lord's divine humanity. This being the case, you can see that if divine truth emanating from the Lord is to be heard and understood, it must reach us by passing through different kinds of medium. The final medium is the spirit accompanying us who exerts an influence either on our thoughts or through audible words. So, wow. So, yeah. you've got a serious translation, a series of translation yeah. problems. And it's supposed to be a divine communication. So, it's trying to get to us where we are. Yeah. And if it just said, like, you know, mathematical things or something completely beyond our understanding, we wouldn't get it, but yeah. we sort of relate to, well, think of me as a parent and sometimes I'm angry and, okay, I can, yeah, okay, I, I've got you there. Right, and so, so there we have, Swedenborg is describing, there are basically two tracks of how the divine can reach us. One is the internal route, the other is the external route, that the internal route we're hearing about God into heaven, into lower heavens, into spirits, into us. And then the external route is God into the different layers of revelation. So the Bible is right. is that same kind of thing. Which that was also done through people. I mean, it was through right. heavens into right. inspired people right. and then written down in language and all that. Right. that even if, if, if God was able to inspire somebody to write the divine language somehow, which they couldn't, we none of us would be able to understand it. So it had to come down to the terms that we can understand but can hold within them these higher truths. Ah, this right. Too. Okay, so that's why you have that layer. And that's why one passage makes you crazy because it sounds like it's... God is furious, and then it says the Lord is good. Yeah. You know, or he's slow to anger or something. Right. Yeah. So that is crucial to understanding, because why anything? Why have God have to have a revelation in the first place? Why have a hierarchy of angels and spirits? If it's just God is everything, why doesn't God just do everything? This is something that sets apart, uh, in some ways, Swedenborg's description of God, is that just like the physical world is relentlessly structured and ordered and to get this situation here where we can talk to all of you there's all these physical substances metals and electrodes and all this stuff has to be in just the right arrangement yeah if we pull the plug out of the wall it's One not plug, we're doing. god can't just like okay you can still broadcast like there is an order and that similarly applies to the ability to get us revelation and get us divine messages that passage that we just read make, made me think of the sun uh, where, like some of those beautiful pictures of the spring, yeah. we feel this gorgeous sun, it's just nice and we like to be out in, or something like that. But if you go into outer space, that, that solar energy is so intense, it can tear your cells apart. The astronauts have to protect themselves with layers and layers of, yeah. you know, their space suit and all, you know, many visors because it'll, uh, it's too intense, you know. Yeah. And that's still 93 million miles from the sun, let yeah. alone if you were only like 500,000 miles from the yeah. sun or something. Like, forget it. It, it's, uh, it. it needs to be, so you need those atmospheres that sort of, okay, now it's a cloudy day and now yeah. we get the temperature down to a reasonable level and everything. So. And bear in mind that these appearances, it's not just that the truth is simply uh, God is love and is always, everything's always good, but I'm just going to tell you it, that there's two ways. There are states, the real states that are being described by mm. these. There's something underlying the God is angry state, which we're going to get to in our next couple of numbers. 
Um, but it's not that God is actually angry, but that's a, that's a way it was cataloged. So there's not, right. there, there are realities. There is a variety of experiences that people go through, which I don't have to tell you. You know how life is. We right. were just talking about it. Right. Um, but I'm just saying, I guess I'm just trying to say this is why there, there needs to be these two mentions in the first place because it is telling you about two things, but it's two things that, that you wouldn't be able to understand the direct message of. It's giving you, pointing you in the direction of a, of a larger reality. Right. You know? And if you hang in there for a while, you start to see, because I found with the Bible that if you get an angry passage, like I'm thinking about Matthew 23 where Jesus harangues the Pharisees and he's really getting tough on them and, and everything. And then at the end he says, he, he likens himself to a hen yeah. gathering chicks under her wings. Yeah. You know, I really wanted to gather, you know. But, so but you what are I'm not willing. saying is yeah. uh, the love is there somewhere. If you start looking for the love and compassion, there's some people who just, just see the anger yeah. The vengeance, you know, and you got lots to work with in the Bible. But uh, if you're looking for the love and compassion, often you can see it right there. Like I was just looking in Lamentations 3, verse 33, and it says, He did not afflict us willingly. Like He didn't want to grieve us or something, even though Lamentations yeah. is a harangue, you know, it's yeah. an intense book. Well, and okay, before we move to our next one, I want to make this point, uh, which is that if you had just had. Um, a story that was like, if the story of the Bible was, everything went fine and everyone was always happy. And, <laughs> and you are telling me this is actually describing the journey we go on. That's not how my journey is. It's right. not even that... It, Where's the pain? Where's the It's loneliness? not even right. that, that the negative right. stuff in life is necessarily, oh, God is angry at me, that's why I'm suffering. But it's like, okay, I, God is supposed to be this loving thing and this horrific thing happened to me or happened in my life. And how do you square that? That's a, this state of like, wait, are you really acting from love? You don't seem like you are. Everybody goes through that. This seems like you're a terrible manager of life. And you have absolutely no interest in my well-being or anybody's well-being. Mm. That's the, the angry state as well. When, when we feel like mm. you, you absolutely are not who you say you are or else you wouldn't have let this happen. You'd be doing something different. And it's just popped into my mind that one thing you don't get in the text that I, that I can think of is you never totally get the idea that, oh, there is no God, it's just bleakness, it's, uh, right. you know what I mean? Right. It's, it's better in a way to think there's somebody there, but maybe he's mad at you, yeah. than to say, oh no, it's just a nihilistic void and, sure. you know, pointless sure. existence or something. So, it's interesting. There you, you know? go. So, there's, there's one seed. We said a few things, it will grow in your mind into something better, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, hopefully um, so, right. So, let's, let's take a look at the next one. Okay, so this one would be about perceiving God according, very similar, just to, to where our heart is and so on. Okay. This is Secrets of Heaven 82-82. And this is talking specifically about Scripture, yeah. the use of language in Scripture. Uh, foes, enemies, and haters are so-called in the Word, not because the Lord is their foe or hates them, although you'll hear some preachers say that, but, but sure. no, this says... But because they oppose the deity, meaning God or the divine, with hatred and hostility. So they're called, like this idea of enemy and yeah. foe is set up, but that's on us, that's on them, it's on the people's side, not the God side. When they bring about their own devastation and hurl themselves into damnation and into hell, it looks to them as though these experiences come from the deity, as if God is mad and throwing them down or something. This appearance or illusion, he's got a couple of analogies here, brings to mind people who see the sun, there's the sun again, revolving daily around our planet and believe that the sun is therefore what moves when it's really the earth, you know, the, yeah. the sun, oh, the sun is rising, oh, look, it's low now and you know, sure. there it goes. But no, it's not that way. It also brings to mind people transgressing the law so talking about criminals or something, right? Who are judged for their transgression by a monarch or a judge and receive a punishment they believe comes from the monarch or judge when it really comes from the transgressors themselves. Yeah. The judge wouldn't be punishing you 
if you didn't do anything wrong, you know. Right. And yet you tend to, it's sort of that character disorder thing of like, you're, you're mad, you're, you're yeah. punishing me. The situation is the same for people with evil in their heart. See, there's that state thing, right? Yeah. People with evil in their heart who brashly challenge the deity and wade right into the consequences. Okay, so that's, it's not only the state of our heart, but what's our attitude? Yeah. Are, are we sort of being a pistol and, and then, you know, whoops, we run right into the, yeah. the thing that we've set up through our energy, but we think, oh no, God is mad at me. Look at what's happening. There's so much complexity in what goes into the emotional and mental state of a person and I think of just like with the body it's very clearly like if you if you ingest something that's bad for you and then why am I feeling bad well it's because you destroyed the <laughs> lining of your stomach you're right. loading your cells with something something there are very complex you can't just do that and say why don't I feel good because of the the very real <laughs> complexity of the system right and so and, and you tend to as a human being you hate the consequence system yeah you know what I mean like that's right but wait I want to eat the wrong thing and yeah. feel good that's right is that so hard and I think you, you've probably we've all been talking to someone at some point and we may be the same thing but it's very hard to have this perspective on yourself but you talk to somebody who you know is acting in sort of abrasive self-centered ways and causing a lot of problems for the people around them but you have to hear them like well this person's acting like this to me and this person's acting like this and <laughs> can you believe they said this and did this not understanding that <laughs> that you are like plowing through and causing this wake all around yeah, you and saying right. like why why are people not treating me well because you're making yourself, uh, making us unable to, to treat you well. So in a much more serious level, you think about the, the peace and love and joy that people are trying to share in a community of human beings and, and to treat each other respectfully and all this. If somebody comes in and, and murders or, or does something terrible, you're an enemy of that peace. You think we can sit down with you now? Like the, you've, you are loving and enjoying and, and setting yourself against what the rest of us are trying to build. So that is, that is this rejection of God that right. he's talking about. Yes, that's right. I'm also thinking about the fact that in, even in human relationships where you can see the person's face and, and everything like that, even in the closest human relationships, it's quite easy, isn't it? For, I certainly find it easy to think another person's mad at me when I have that not. right now. <laughs> or if it is, do I seem angry? The, uh, uh, you, you know, it's a weird thing how you can just totally misread a situation. Yeah. You can be convinced, oh no, they're really upset. Yeah. You know, and, and you can just be wrong about that. Even somebody you know very well, we tend to project, don't we? Yeah. So, there's a, yeah, hmm. there's a, a funny cartoon about a couple, and one of them is like, oh, uh, you know, what, why, why is he so angry at me? I, is it because of this, said this and something? He has, he's been distant. I think this is, it's ending the relationship. And then you see like his little thought bubble and he's like, motorcycle doesn't work. Can't figure out why. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, but this he's is... He's not thinking about that. It, right, right. Which yeah. is so true right. because like you definitely like read into people and say, oh, they're, they're, what they're doing is... Their silence means this. Or something about me. And so... Yeah. And we, we constantly do that with God, except for God is not like, I'm thinking about my motorcycle instead. God is thinking about our actual welfare and about I'm going to get it so you, we can repair your spirit, you know, and I'm going to get you started onto the yeah. things that you do like. And I'm going to... And such love. Yeah. And closest to us when we're at our worst and when we feel that God is the most absent, yeah. you know, then so tenderly caring for us and everything. But we can't... We can't see it. We don't feel it. So let's, let's take a look at the next one here. And this is a, a natural kind of extension is of that, that dynamic we're talking about, that evil spirits will very much blame God for the things that go wrong for them when they do go wrong. This is secret okay. heaven. When evil spirits Boy, are... Evil spirits are getting it in the neck tonight. Oh, man. I said rough night, but they'll bounce back okay. next episode. When evil spirits or demons approach heaven's light, they start to suffer distress and torment. This they blame on heaven and consequently on the Lord, although the torment <laughs> is actually self-inflicted. I love it. Like heaven is just being a love fest, yeah. to be, you know, and they get close and they, oh gosh, those people yeah. are awful. Yeah. They cause you chest pains. Yeah. They, you can't breathe. And, yeah. Evil feels tortured when it goes near goodness. And that's, I like that statement there because it kind of feels almost like a statement of physics. 
that you these two substances cannot yeah. they both uh, want a covalent bond with something you know where something will just effervesce or go nuts yeah. in the presence of some other chemical or it's something. not Swedenborg does say that that if you're if you have hell in your heart and you approach heaven that it's all it feels terrible but it's not because there are like snipers around heaven and they're like pinging you as you come in it is that and the rage of heaven the wrath of god yeah, is it's coming like down how dare you get near our gated community we're going to come down hard on you that this is what hell is and what heaven is what heaven is is a love of other people's happiness and hell is a joy in um, subjugating other people. So to get near the, and these here, you could have one and I could have the other and we can still have a show together. We never know, but or at least wouldn't cause any kind of discomfort in, in breathing and stuff. But when you're in the spirit, those it's actually like these are these are real. This changes how your whole spirit is structured. It changes wh- what atmospheres you can metabolize. Mm. It's a the real. It's a real yeah. thing there. So it's it's just like I feel like to me that mechanistic side of it is it's less like God is like, whacking you. Don't get near my yeah. heaven, people. This is like right. you if you are uh, if you're addicted to this, you're not gonna like. You're giving not it gonna up. feel happy when you get close to that. I'm thinking of the phrase in the book of Revelation, which when you think about it is kind of amusing in a way of the wrath of the lamb. You know, there are people who literally <laughs> yeah. hide from the wrath of the lamb. Uh, a lamb is one of the less aggressive animals, I feel <laughs> like. It just, <laughs> yeah. you know, this little sweetie pie, little yeah. fuzzy thing, you know. And so to think, no, no, I'm yeah. telling you, it's a really angry yeah, lamb well, like, and it's going to bite us. And like, okay, I've got, a, I've got a, a new movie, The Wrath of the Lamb. Uh, I don't know if audiences are going to really buy that. <laughs> you know, like that is a hilarious <laughs> phrase. Right, right. It is kind of funny. And yet in the story, in the book of Revelation, people are hiding under the rocks and yeah. they fear the, you know, well, because they're if, terrified. If the lamb represents, you know, God's innocent heart or, or like the, the yeah, heart of goodness good heart of and you nice think heart. about what innocence actually is like when with the bonds of love between uh, parents and children and between people who love each other and and, and what it, it and just what it is to be a human being and what it is to have hopes and dreams and the innocence in each one of us when you're when you're set on evil and your joy comes from destroying other people's happiness mm. to actually realize what that is and that would be the, the wrath of the Lamb. Like when you get approach heaven and start to understand just uh, mm. how how much harm that causes, and just how inferior a thing, you know, getting your kicks out of that is to the to the the joy of love. That is terrifying. Right. You tend to tell yourself that that's the way everybody really is, or something like that. And then when you're in the presence of this innocence yeah. and this selfless love, yeah. Ah, it's just, it's just yeah. got to be scalding, you it's, know, like it's, it's so painful. It's like the Grinch. The Grinch the didn't yeah. like the Who's because they were like all happy down They're there. They're all singing away down there. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so those are a couple uh, or three, you know, three seeds. And then hopefully, you know, we gave you something that'll start growing in the garden of your mind and, and something will click into place. I find often I'll be walking along and one of these ideas will be like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that makes it. Or that's, oh. a, that's a further insight. Right. Always with, with reading Swedenborg stuff, it's like, I get the stuff on the words, and, but then I, sometimes when it's happening, it's almost like a second comment comes in that really gets me to understand it. Sometimes like, years yeah. later, like you think of it, oh, yeah, something that you've been puzzling about for a long time so clicks into place. All that is to say, if you think this show's dumb right now, you're going to love it in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we're going to go. Come on back. We've revived a section, which I'm really happy about, that we used to do long ago on this channel. Maybe some of you may remember it. We're going to dive next into a very short audio-visual correspondences meditation. Just to soothe you. So this all comes out of, in the second volume of Secrets of Heaven, there's a passage in which Swedenborg talks about how the purpose of sight, if you ever wondered why we can see things, the full function of how we're supposed to use it is to be looking at physical objects yet contemplating spiritual realities at the same time. That wow. All this like stepping down and stepping That's down. That's really cool. That's yeah, deep. Yeah. Well, I, I wow. wish I'd thought of it myself. All this like stepping down we were talking about in the first quote where it's like yeah. it's got to go through these different... Oh, yeah, right. That, that the... Translate, translate, translate. And the physical world is the lowest translation there mm. because it's like the the one we can understand. So, but yet it is a window into the deeper stuff. So all this is to say, we can be 
you know, looking at physical objects, and those could open our minds to deeper realities. So we were talking all about the sun being an image of God, mm-hmm. and if and Swedenborg says that's a correspondence, right? That the, the sun is playing the yes, same it role. Yes, Yeah, that's right. Physically, life-giving, right? As God and does. fueled by fire, just as God is pure love and all. That. Yeah. So the wisdom is light. We're going to give you the sun for a little while here, and it's just going to be a minute long. We're going to play some music, different images of the sun, and just open up your mind to, okay, what is this telling me about our changing nature of the relationship, or the nature of our changing relationship with God and these appearances and all that? You know, we're not going to hold your hand through it. We'll just see what comes out here for you. So here's a little meditation, and we'll meet you back on the other side. So many different moods that we go through there. And I was, you know, one that struck me was the, the time lapse of the gray clouds and the sun kind of, you know, Lion King yes, streaming through it right. there in different places. It's even because that's trying to come out. People say, you know, the yeah. sun is trying to. There's so many, right. that's such a different feel than some of those others. It really gives you a different uh, side of the divine to think about. This God just breaking through in this prophetic kind of, that it actually, even though you think without the clouds, you see more of the sun, but with them, it's more dramatic almost. Yeah, and it got me thinking about the sun's perspective that it is just blasting love 24-7. And then to think about that as just a physical embodiment of this divine love that it's given us this life-giving force, whether we want to live underground or never look at it or whatever, you know, it's just going to be there feeding energy and storing it up in coal and diamonds under the ground. And, you know, it's just just blasting out the love all the time. It's a neat, neat image. And the footage of that climbing up the... I was just going to talk, the woman climbing up the hill. It's interesting because she's not climbing up to the sun. The sun is to the side. Her goal is something different, but the sun is sort of there as like a funding the whole thing. Yeah, right, right. And then uh, right. thinking about that, the one with the sun kind of shining through the, the fall leaves um, and just the, the like wistful beauty of even though the things are getting colder, the season is changing, there's this, there's this truth coming through, you know, which I love the nice. fall. So. Okay, hmm. guys, so hey, feel free to let us know in the comments. Uh, what did you get out of that? You know, what did you, did you pick up? Because if, if Swedenborg is right about how the correspondence things works, you know, that, that has more wisdom in it than... We uh, we've said in this show like there's a there's pictures worth a million. Yes, words. That's right. That's right. So as you can see here, it's time for what's the takeaway, mm. which is where we just want to we've gone, been through a lot and we want to summarize this as some people had suggested who had watched the show. What, so I'll, let's talk about what, where we've been and what we can get from that. I'll give us a quick summary. So we talked about how there's uh, this phenomena of appearances is all over. You see it in the physical world, how the sun can appear right. to be moving mm, when r- right. really it's the earth relative to the sun that's moving, although the whole thing is swinging around in the galaxies or whatever. And then be- just like that, we have differing views of God as we change. And not that God is changing, but as our understanding of what God is changes, as our life events change. And Swedenborg is making the point that depending on what we love, whether we love what's good or whether we love what's harmful, that changes how we see God because when we love what's harmful, we set ourselves in opposition to the divine system. So we're always breaking those rules and finding the natural consequences of those. So because of all that, God is pictured in these different ways in the Bible, which is this reflection of our journey and the different states we go through and God, the way God seems to us, even though God is up above the clouds. Mm, nice summary. That was, that was oh, good. thanks. And uh, for me, the um, I've, I've read the Bible forever, 
But it was a tough book for a long, long time. I mean, yeah. I would read it devotionally. I read a chapter in the morning, something like that. But I'm kind of cringing and wincing <laughs> because the uh, this anger issue. I mean, we jumped in the deep end with this thing sure. here. The uh, the because anger, you asked for it. The, that's right. The good job and the <laughs> the anger issue was really tough for me, in the sense of like. I'm not seeing the loving God. It's all this yelling and you're yeah. in trouble and I'm right. going to get you. And yet I think about a lot of what the Bible's trying to do is to reach us in our darkest states and try to pull us out. So of course a lot of it would be framed in that way of like, you know, it's almost like somebody saying, look, your house is on fire. I'm a fireman. I'm going to come in and, and rescue you. I'm going to look like a monster. I'm going to have all this stuff on, yeah. you know, to protect myself. And I have a giant axe and everything. I'm there to help you. I'm, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what happened, but at some point in my relationship with Scripture, I developed somehow Swedenborg sort of pounded long enough in my head that it, something clicked. And I developed this enzyme. It's the only way I can describe it. Like, you know, some, some people just like you're lactose intolerant or something because you just lack the microbiome or the bug that you needed to be able to digest that. Yeah. So every time you eat it, somebody else can eat it and they're all happy and you've got a raging headache and it feels like flames are coming out of your head or yeah. something. And, uh, and that's how I was with some of these passages in Scripture. And it seems like at some point I was blessed to get an enzyme where I can, I can digest that now, you know, like I can digest the angry passages and I see the love in it. I see the compassion and I see it overtly here and then I see how it's hidden behind a cloud over here, but it's yeah. still there. Right. And uh, that made just that one enzyme to me, just getting that anger enzyme made the Bible more digestible and enjoyable than anything else. Yeah. And now I just love it. It's like a warm bath that doesn't, you know, like it's not like an acid <laughs> dip yeah. or something, you know. Right. Well, um, and in a way, Swedenborg is that enzyme for everything in the Bible. It's totally changed that's right. how I would relate to it. I don't know if I would be hanging around the Bible if, if I didn't have, I would it's be too book. stuck on stuff like that. I'd say, isn't there more wisdom somewhere else? Hey, this, this, oh, yeah, how is this tough, consistent? Tough book. But with the Swedenborg stuff, it just starts to f see like, Oh, this is just like the sun. I mean, this is beautiful. So, all right, everybody. Uh, now to snap out of that and into something much more stressful, let's get to our For us, at least. elevator pitch. Okay, this is how the game is played. We are going to both uh, be trying to practice explaining Swedenborg stuff to people, both because sometimes you may find yourself in that terrifying situation, but also um, if the concepts are real and alive, they right. should be, we should be able to say them succinctly and, and they sh we should be able to quickly connect them to why they matter. So we'll why they matter, which is an additional yeah. degree of difficulty oh. challenge in the whole process. We didn't decide who's going to oh, go first. Oh, and we don't even have a coin. Okay, no coin. Do you want to do rock, paper, scissors? Uh, I, I'm so bad at that game. Well, do I, I'm willing to go first. Okay, if you, want. you go, you go first. That's so, the threat of rock, paper, scissors, if you've seen previous episodes, is always <laughs> enough to get Jonathan to go first. All right, so. Let's let's see <laughs> what you all Rather came up with. Rather than having to think of which one to do, yeah, that's, for that's the even more pitch. Our first one is going to be none other than this. Correspondences of spring. Ooh, so he will nice. have one minute to not just tell me what that is, but why it matters to me. We've just stepped onto an elevator. I noticed that, oh, that's Jonathan mm. Rose from the, that YouTube show. I'm going to ask him a question, <coughs> and here I go. What? are the correspondences of spring. Now, you would think that winter would be a peaceful time because there's inactivity and, you know, the, the trees don't have to work on having leaves or fruit. It's a time of dormancy. So you think, isn't there great peace in the winter? Uh, but Swedenborg says that the most peaceful time of year is the spring and it's interesting because spring is like a riot when all the birds and the animals start going but it's a picture of when love and truth join together you can have truth which is just the light in the winter but when love 
gets into truth and when love starts to take the lead and, and uh, work with the truth, that's when things get potentiated. So in our own lives, if you just have a piece of information hanging around in your head, it may not do much. But when the love comes in, it blossoms and then all that energy you get is peaceful. Oh yeah, very good. So I never thought about that with the uh, winter because definitely when you have a piece of property, winter is like, ah, <sighs> yes, right. Nothing, the vines <laughs> are growing. Nothing's not growing. <laughs> the grass nothing's growing, growing right now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, oh, I love it, and, and it's fascinating to me. You think heaven? Oh, when you get to heaven, heaven is the summer. It's the eternal summer. Swedenborg says heaven is spring. Spring. Because it's always pointing to the potential of what's to come. It's just getting good. That's, That's right. Awesome. Right. Yeah. It's headed in a direction or something. Yeah. That's it, good. It being a beautiful spring around here as we... This saw. was a gorgeous spring day here. Oh, man. So, so I believe it. It's, it's heaven. Yeah. Uh, so, great. Thanks. Well, I, think, I guess that's good all question. for the elevator pitch. We're done for the section. <laughs> okay, fine. How about that? Let's have me do one. And we're going to see what it is right now. Regeneration. Okay. Okay. You got the easy, big one. Easy one. Okay. All right, let's go. Uh, why is there so much in life? Why isn't this fun? Why are we having to wade through all kinds of problems all the time? Is this how life is supposed to be? Well, what we're going through is a birth right now. You think mm. about birth itself and how it's not just like, oh yeah, here it, it happened. There's, there's labor and there's contractions and there is complications and everything. And mm. it's this huge amount of work to get new life. Well, what's happening right now is God is giving us this birth and we are going through it with all of its pains and trials mm. and tribulations because the new life that's outside of where we started, the, the place in the womb where we started, we can't stay forever because there's so much more. And on the flip side of that, everything that is that is right now upside down about life and isn't right, the, the, the ways we perceive ourselves and other that, it's all worth it because it's freeing us from that. Regeneration is God saying, I'm going to give you a life that can see above all this. <laughs> I wasn't really watching that. Thing. We okay. got to the 44th yeah. floor. <laughs> oh, oh, you get off here? Okay. That was really good. I like the way you did that because the, even in that word regeneration, the, the, the root has that birth, yeah. the gen in there, right? Yeah. It's the reborn. And so interesting to think about all that drama that's in there. And yet the really like, Given the chance, I, I wouldn't go back to the womb right now. Yeah. Like you've got more freedom of movement. And, yeah. You know, uh, well, I sort of stopped consciousness shortening because I don't so. want to compare the womb to like the evils we're born in because the womb is great. But it does seem like, isn't life a struggle? Isn't there so much of life that mm. was characterized as the struggle? Why, why is life a struggle? Why is life in this world a struggle? It's because it's the process of pulling us up and out into heaven. And that's what we're and changing state as much as going from the womb to that, why would, running around. Why would the Lord allow us to experience this much struggle? It's only for the greatest goal, which is this new life, this regeneration and rebirth and all that stuff. I should have thought nice. of that when I was on the elevator. Okay, just kidding. It was all, it was all about the same level of goodness. Okay, so thanks so much for that. We, we love that you're paying attention, that you're asking this That's stuff. That's fun, thank and, you. And uh, always good to just get a chance to flip it over in our own minds and think about it more because new insights are always coming uh, as you, just like with everything in life, as you pour over it. So hopefully you're getting insights uh, at home. And let's, uh, let's hear what has been on your mind. You know, we, in the beginning we said, have you had a changing picture of God? Right. And we want to know what you said. So we're going to get to it right now. So, if you remember, way, way, way back in the beginning, we were responding. Back before we had gone on any of this journey, we've been on quite a journey, we were responding to this. Have you felt differently about God at different points in your life? I'm excited <laughs> to see what people had to say, and here's exactly what they had to say. I felt like God has treated me differently in different periods of my life. Sometimes more difficult of a time and more of a need for me to step into my life. Mm. I'm going through a change of relationship with God right now. Right now. I thought he would always be there, like obviously. Now it just seems like he's so far away. Mm. No, I never felt different, though at times not as close or able to get answers. Yeah, so definitely. Nice. Yeah. Most of the time I believe in God's love, but there have been times 
when I could not believe that there is a God. And at worst, I felt like God was punishing me for not being good. Started talking to God at nine, have felt him strong at some moments and other moments not at all. My views changed so much throughout the years. The largest liberation, peace and joy, has come from first hearing Howard Storm, who was on this show, and being yeah. introduced by a friend to Swedenborg and Off the Left Eye. And you notice here that, that everybody's saying, like, uh, nobody's saying, well, it was all good all the time. There's always this fluctuation in states. Yeah, right. In the unless somebody's about to here. In the past, I used to fear God, and not just in a respectful way, but literal fear of something that I could not please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have changed from a God of rights and rules to a God of love. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's well put. Yes, right before I found you all, I even wondered if I was making it up and there wasn't even God. Mm. Sometimes I'm so clear about his love, wisdom, providence, I've felt forgotten, I've felt precious. Nice. So that's, <laughs> that's like angry God. That's right. Loving God. Abandoned. Yeah. yeah, right. I have always felt God as a friend. As I mature, he shows himself in the friendship in more complex ways. Mm. That's cool. I was immensely afraid of God until my age 30 due to grandparents' religious views of hell, fire, and damnation and the wrath of God. I eventually became brave enough to question everything. He loves me. As a child, it was drilled into me that God would punish me if I tried to hide my sins. Uh -huh. It was only in my 20s when I found spiritualism that I realized that God was only love. And I always feel differently about God when my state changes. Yeah, I like go. that. Yeah. All right, so really mm. appreciate everybody being willing to share that with awesome. us. And so it just seems to me, like if that's, if we go ask people, what's your changing uh, uh, feelings about God? And they describe these, these things that are much like our pictures here, that sometimes God is really nice, sometimes God is abandoning, sometimes God is terrifying, like the desert and the winter day and then the spring day. Mm. Doesn't it, wouldn't it almost seem bizarre and out of touch if you had a Bible where that there weren't a reflection of those states <laughs> yeah, in it. That's right. There's like there's no weather in the Bible yeah. or kind well, of thing. Right? In the Psalms, it's, isn't it? There's so much of the Psalms like, where are you? Why did you forget about me? Right. Come on. And then there's, oh, this is so great. You're right here. Isn't that more like life than, uh, than it's permanently static thing. Yeah. yeah. Great, everybody. Thank you so mm. much. And if you're watching after the fact, please write in the comments. We'd love to hear your responses to that. Yeah. As well, there's a lot going on around the Off the Left Eye Network these days. There's this That's show. True. There's also News from Heaven in which we go and explore Swedenborg's writings in depth with pen in hand every That's Thursday right. and every Saturday. And um, we want to remind you as well to like and subscribe, which is going to help this show, News from Heaven, all the other shows that are coming up, and click the bell. And also, we're nonprofit, so we depend on donations from people like you to keep doing the kind of stuff we do. Here's a little clip about that. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com, and we share all the content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. You can go to otle.causevox.com and follow the prompts to give a one-time or recurring donation. We'd be honored to have you become part of our growing community of supporters who help these ideas reach and nourish thousands of people every week around the globe. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. And some people, I think, were very upset when I said, there's a lot going on around Off the Left Eye Network, and then I just talked about one show, you know, and they're like, that's not enough of it. I just said news from heaven, that was it. But the truth is, there's much more going on around the oh. Off the Left Eye Network, including Monday, next Monday, we're premiering a brand new show, Good Question which is actually sort of an upgrade to our panel question show where we spend the whole time taking live questions from you, the audience, and then saying them, but we've given it an upgrade and some new branding, and we're going to have a wonderful panel of experts back next Monday, and we we'll hope you'll join us live to ask questions and have, see us try to figure it out there in front of you. So that'll be then. Uh, this is now. Thank you so much for hanging out, Dr. Jonathan Rose. That was great, Curtis. I like to... 
digging into the Bible like that. that really fun. fun. Thanks to our whole staff here at Up the Left Eye for writing and getting all this stuff ready. And thanks to all of you for watching. Hope that this gives you some spir good spiritual food and fuel as you go out into the week. And we're going to see you uh, as soon as we see you. New content here all the time. And uh, thanks so much for letting us talk to you. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. <laughs>